Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good Saturday. Holy smokes, good weather, good grief. It's Saturday again. Holy, it came around yet again, and good weather this time. It is middle of the day, middle of the dial, lunchtime here on KMOX. Phone lines are open for you, 314-436-7900, 314-436-79. Yeah, you know it. You're part of the KMOX family. My name is Scott Mosby. Uh, this is the second hour of the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Bring on any question you have about your home, projects you're contemplating, or how you really look at your house. If you have any questions about allergies and filters and water filters, uh, choosing appliances, floor materials that are appropriate in kitchens and bathrooms, uh, aging in place or staying in place, uh, really staying in your home, uh, the whole world used to be around nursing homes. Let's move out and go to a different place, assisted living. Now we're learning people want to stay in their home as long as possible and sometimes bring in the skills necessary to care uh, as we age. So the house likewise then needs to serve a different occupant, different homeowner, if you will. So aging in place or universal design, basically uh, light switches work for everybody, short, tall, big wheels, or, 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 you know, short legs either way. Um, but keep in mind, more lighting generally becomes part of almost any uh, remodeling project, construction project. Uh, we started the first hour with a room addition question that was kind of interesting. Doorbell replacement. Uh, and then a failed uh, patio French door that was getting replaced, and they noted that some of the rotted framing in the wall around that door, you know, and how to handle that. We talked about that earlier. 314-436-7900, My name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. We've been at it for 77 or 78 years. I have to do the math every time. Uh, founded by my father in 1947, and we have, uh, we, we were a, a builder, uh, pretty much a carpentry contractor, then to a general contractor that did bid build. So architects would draw the plans. They'd go out to bid and then the art contractors would bid. And then over the years, uh, you know, four decades of that or so with my father, he realized, you know, I'd sure like to be involved in those design conversations way up front with the architect because there are a lot of value adds if we just build this a little differently it'll perform better better last longer cost less all those things that builders bring to the table so you know he started doing design build it's like you know what the part i can control i'm a really good builder i'm a really good carpenter i can fix all this stuff but if you just get the designer to do this or that, and frankly, architects feel the same way. It's like, well, I know the design, but if you just tell me how you want to flash it or how you're going to use do this detail, then I can design this nice little feature here that works just fine with all of that nuts and bolts stuff, and then I can make it look terrific. So architects like the design build because it's a team approach. Customers like the design build because they don't care who's doing the work. They just want the thing to work out the best it can be, be all you can be with my money. So I want as much value as I can create with the dollars I'm going to spend on this thing. And frankly, then as the contractor, being able to be part of the conversation way up front, 
well, how do you want to build this? It's like, well, is it going to be a poured concrete foundation, concrete block foundation, slab on grade? Are we going to insulate it? Are we, you know, yada, yada, all those various issues that an auto mechanic knows. You take your car in, they know a thousand things and it all happens. You know, that decision gets decided in five or six seconds because of the vast experience that auto mechanic has. Likewise, building a home and design build. So that's kind of why we do design build so that all the voices are at the table, uh, including suppliers, trade partners, you know, where the plumber's going to run the pipe, how we insulate that, you know, well, we'll do this. And the client's like, well, I don't want, I don't want to see that pipe. How how do we, (laughs) what what are you doing that for? You know, well, we have to because gravity, okay. Okay, well, then we'll just run the cabinets up to the ceiling. and That'll hide all that. We'll store all the holiday stuff up high in the kid. So there are all kinds of those issues that go through you if you're you know doing your own do-it-yourself project. Uh, if you know enough that those are issues, then you can make those decisions up front. Likewise, uh, since we're being paid for design, we're being paid for our construction, our job, our responsibility, and, and frankly, what we like is to bring those issues up front. Let's make our mistakes on paper. Let's make our mistakes verbally. Let's make our mistakes at this table. Let's not build the thing and then find out that we ran into this big structural beam or a plumbing pipe. So part of what sets Mosby Building Arts apart, and this comes from my father and I both coming from the tool belt, um, we really kind of know how we would build a house. We know where we would put those pipes, what's behind that wall. And that is, uh, my father, Sam Mosby, founded this construction company, Mosby Building Arts. It was Samuel J. Mosby back then. But then he went into the home inspection business because he knew so much about houses that people buying homes wanted him to come and spend. This goes back into the 70s, the Real Estate Securities Protection Act, RESPA. 1977 or 78 something like and that's where home inspectors came from so inspecting a home has been part of the mosby um, remodeling process and we call it seeing behind the walls and frankly we have tools we have fiber optic tools we literally can see inside walls around corners and you know things like that so we are equipped to do that so that's kind of why design is important, and you know design's important, but having that builder and having all of that in one company is why we do what we do at Mosby Building Arts. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred three one four four three six seven nine hundred. We're going to talk about all sorts of things that are important to you right here on KMOX. I'm going to take a short pause, and come back for more right after this on University of KMOX. All right, happy Saturday midday. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX, 50,000 watts. Phone lines all open for you, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Let's go talk to my friend Sandy. Hey, Sandy, Scott Mosby, happy Saturday, and how can I help? Hi, Scott. Um, I replaced, I redid some remodeling about 25 years ago, and I replaced a toilet with a uh, one-piece Kohler toilet with a low, um, you know, the water, low, whatever they call it. Anyway, um, it's never had a really good forceful flush. And um, now it's starting to act up, and I'm thinking, okay, I want to get rid of it. So I've been looking at toilets, and I am a little bit confused. Um, What kind of a toilet 
would I you would I be looking at should I be looking at to replace this other Kohler? Some of uh, them are getting very pricey. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, first off, uh, when you replace the guts in a Kohler toilet, a one-piece toilet, Kohler's kind of a performance toilet. Uh, you got one that ha- that probably uh, happened right when the 1.6 gallon water conservation stuff happened. Uh, right. If you get original equipment pieces for the toilet guts for a one-piece like a Kohler, it is much, much, much better. So if you replace parts in that toilet once or twice, you're kind of taking, you know, an early design toilet casting and then making it less effective. So before you go replacing toilets, I would get... Uh, you know, usually you can pick up the lid on the toilet and stamped in there on a Kohler or anything, be like K-1064, something like that, PC. Um, take a picture of that and get that to a professional plumbing supply house, you know, Henry Plumbing, uh, Milford, uh, you know, uh, all the big ones that have parts like that for Kohler and get those parts. They'll say, well, you can use this. It's almost as good. Well, ideally, you want to get the right one. Now, that being said, we're now 25 years down the engineering progression on this 1.6 gallon. So um, you can flush a small Volkswagen down a toilet today. It may sound like a jet engine, but you literally can do that. If you get to a place um, that uh, handles, uh, you know, like Kohler products, that's then generally a place that will show you the uh, types of things that... uh, um, matter for, um, you know, uh, for example, uh, Crescent Plumbing Supply in University City is a Kohler dealer. Uh, there's a Kohler store in um, uh, right there at 40 and uh, Ledoux Road, but they so it it's an it's it's an engineering requirement that they're meeting, and literally you can fr- flush a brick down a toilet w- in modern days. So pressure assist, so you've got level one, level two, level three. Um, the more force you have for a toilet, the noisier it is. So in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., flush the toilet, whoosh, you know, the, you, you, the whole house hears it. So those are the things, but it's it. Uh, I would not shy away from Kohler because... Uh, you know, the toilet needs to improve. I would go back, you're into a whole different engineering cycle, whether it's American Standard or Kohler or Gerber or any of those. Well, my, uh, the issue that I have or that I have had with this toilet is because I wanted the flush to be more forceful, I uh-huh. thought about replacing the flush mechanism in the tank. Yeah. And um, so I called one of the plumbing supply companies here in town, mm-hmm. and I said, is there a different flush mechanism that I can use for this toilet? And the woman that I spoke to said no. Right. So I was assuming that if I replaced the the flush mechanism in the toilet, it would be the same essentially as what I already have, and that's not a forceful enough flush for for what you know what I'm looking for and um so when it started acting up a couple of days ago I thought you know if I have to replace what I already have with something that I don't want then I'd rather just replace the toilet altogether 
But there's, you know, elongated toilets, there's round toilets, there's one piece, there's two piece, a lot of, you know, essentially nice looking fixtures. But um, what I'm looking for is a a one piece, 1.6 gallon flush, but I would like a side handle. I'm a little concerned about the push button ones that uh, where, you know, you have the low flush and the higher flush. Right. Um, I'm concerned about, you know, down the road, if I had to ever have that fixed, that would be more costly, et cetera. But I am confused about what I'm seeing online uh, as far as new fixtures because there's so much out there. What's the benefit of an elongated versus a round? Yeah. Um, is a two-piece just as good as a, a one-piece? Um, you know, I, I don't know. That's what I'm asking about. <laughs> That's why you need a professional. And this is why we do design build. We literally, when, when we're doing whatever for a client, um, we either recommend the toilet or we go shopping with them. And frankly, your look, if you're just getting a, a toilet, then frankly, you need to get to a professional supply house, a place that knows the answers to all your questions. And, you know, and that's one, you know, that's, you know, like that's a Crescent plumbing supply. That's kind of what they do. Um, I see. Or the Kohler store. Um, they can answer every one of those questions. I'll get into them with you a little bit here. So an elongated toilet bowl is literally bigger and it just looks better, but it's a longer toilet. It sticks out toward the wall. So if you have a small, say a half bath powder room that just doesn't have room, then you do the round bowl because you just can't afford that extra size seat or oval. Uh, The better looking fixture generally is always the elongated bowl. Then there's the adult height, standard toilet, and then different heights. So how far this thing is up off the floor, the uh, older you are or the less uh, mobility skills you have, the higher the toilet um, china needs to be. So there's even that. Uh, And that's now we're just talking about the toilet bowl. One piece, two piece, one piece is tends to it tends to be a more attractive uh sexier looking piece of equipment but if you're in a small bathroom you just can't get a one-piece toilet in some of those bathrooms they just don't fit you need two people you need to take them in one part at a time but there's no big advantage over one piece or two piece other than they look a lot better and they tend to be a more expensive therefore you get a quieter flush more features all you know it's like buying a luxury car uh, you know, the, you get all that, but you've got to get in front of somebody that knows these answers that can walk you through all that, um, because you're going to spend anywhere from 350 to 1350 dollars on a toilet, or or 5,000. You, you know, you can get to 7,000 dollars buying a commode. So, right. You, you need a guide. You can't get there with. If you're asking me these questions, you're shopping in the wrong place. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Yeah, and uh, you, and you are asking all the right questions, so stick to your guns. Get every one of those things answered. But when you get in the right place, you'll know it. It means it's just like, oh, okay, then I just have to figure out which one, what color, and how much. There you go. <laughs> right, right. Okay, well, thank you very much. And remember, it's going to cost you a lot of money to make a mistake, and it's going to cost you a lot of money to do it right. So make sure you get the right one. <laughs> right, right, okay. right. All right. Thank you. You bet. Glad to help there. Mm-hmm. All right, sure. Sandy. Bye. Bye now. And I don't mean to get flippant with it, but uh, it um, because we have the Internet, 
And because we have big box stores, doesn't mean the consumer knows what they're buying. And again, and I, I say this, um, you know, rather humorously in my mind, but it may sound flippant. Um, it's going to cost you the same to buy a toilet with good advice as it is to buy a toilet with no advice. Um, and, you know, the, the more knowledge and experience somebody has, uh, you know, just like yourselves, that when you bought your first house, you kind of bought this house and you kind of, I think I know what I got, but I really don't. I, I've never really, you know, maintained a water heater or a faucet or hose bibs and all that. So again, as you go through your life, you become very clear that, well, okay, I want one bedroom. I want it on one, all, all on the one floor. I want my bathroom convenient and I want the living or family room, not too far from all of that, you know, whatever your requirement, but you become clear. Well, when you get into buying a commode and believe me, um, this is where I think you should spend your money because we all visit this place a lot in our lifetime. So doing a bad job on that toilet. And if you go visiting or you go to older buildings and you sit down on the toilet and by gosh, you feel like you're sitting on the floor. That's an old low profile toilet that may be 14 and a half inches tall. Now you get to the 16 inch height, 16 and a half, now 17, 17, what they call adult heights or assisted height, all those things. And that's just on the height of the toilet. Um, and frankly, you, you need to go, you need to go shopping and you need to shop with somebody that can help you there. Uh, let's go next to the phone lines and see what's happening with my buddy, Jim. Hey, Jim, patio door question. How can I help you this fine morning? Hi, Scott. Um, I missed your first hour, and uh, I heard at the top of the hour when you came back, you said that, uh, you know, you'd answered a patio door question. But my question is, we've got an old herd patio door. I forget what kind they call it. It's one that swings in. Um, yeah. and French we're door. Gonna work, pardon me? French door. French, okay. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to need to get it replaced. We're getting a little bit of rot down below, too. Um, yeah. But anyway... What kind of door do you recommend that's best, a sliding door or a French door? Uh, well, depends on your age and your mobility. If uh, Now, think about this. Um, if you're um, arthritic, um, not as strong as you once were, uh, is turning a doorknob and pulling it toward you on a hinge easier than dragging that patio door, even if it, you know, moves, you know, very freely. Uh, generally, hinge doors are appropriate for later in life and accessible because they're easier for our bodies to move and, and just swing them. So a sliding door does not take up floor space on the swing. So you have to come, you know, you and, and your spouse need to get kind of right with are are we willing to put a hinged door which you already have so you have half fixed on that and half hinged uh, and it hinges from the center of the door if i understand your herd door correctly is that right yes yeah, yeah that's correct right so right. now you if you get a french door they both move um, or there's a French patio where, you know, one stays fixed and slide. So you really have to decide. But my advice for uh, later in life um, uh, are hinge doors. So when we build or put a room addition or replace doors, uh, generally if people are staying in the house for the next 20 years, we're, we're pretty much trying to put a hinge door in there whenever we can. Just does, does, one, does one have an advantage for insulating value, you know, keeping cold and hot air out over the other one? 
No, not really, because everything, you know, your your old herd door, um, it swings open and closed. And the good part of the herd door and other up, you know, like the Pella, the Marvin, the Anderson, is you can go to them 10 years later and buy weather stripping. So you can have that door rebuilt to where, you know, wheels and roll, you know, that's what you get out of a brand name. Uh, herd was a good door, but, you know, they went out of business. So, the, you know, anyway, that's neither here nor there but the point is that you have to figure out what kind of door um, and that French door a profile is available with a fixed panel and hinged uh, but generally you wind up with a true French double panel door where they both swing one latches and the second one just uh, latches into it does one require more maintenance than the other one um, no not well yes patio, sliding patio doors uh, because you're literally carrying the full weight of the door on a pair of rollers, generally those rollers get adjusted or should, or they get, you know, uh, cattywampus, as my father would say, or out of whack, because you're rolling that 150-pound panel back and forth, back and forth, and the track does tend to wear, the wheels and the bearings wear. Uh, but likewise, on a good brand name, you can replace those wheels. You can replace the weather strip. You can pr- replace the locking mechanism, you know, when you okay. buy good stuff. One final point. Is one more secure as far as security of somebody entering your home, breaking in? Uh, is one got an advantage over the other one? Uh, a single door with a three-sided jam is the most secure door because your deadbolt and your latch actually go into framing. With the door that you have, you're, you have the hinge in the middle, and that's why they built it that way. They call it the French patio door, and then the, the latch goes to, into the frame. When you do a pair of doors, that is less secure. You can pretty much kick and push it through. But, you know, the issue is, frankly... Um, you just need to make your house secure enough and uh, appear to have a security system to where they go next door and they rob the neighbor's house, not yours. So, again, a bad guy can get in any house, anytime, anywhere, <laughs> anyway. I got you. I got you. Well, Scott, listen, I certainly appreciate the information, and I do enjoy your program. You're very informative. Well, thank you. Glad to help, Jim. Happy hunting. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Again, um, uh, uh, for example, uh, design build, why Mosby designs. Uh, Kitchen windows. So we put a sink on the outside wall of a house. And sometimes, you know, those windows, we all like to look out glass. Well, uh, we also like to open the window. Well, when you're 30 years old, bending over, and lifting up a double hung window, you know, our stomach muscles and our back muscles and our fingers and our arms are all strong. So sliding that thing up two and a half feet away from where our belt line is, we can do that. Well, later on, maybe it's a slider door or slider window where it slides back. Well, that's a, that's a little less tough to move than lifting straight up a double or single hung sash. And then oftentimes we put casement windows in there where you just kind of reach up unlock the sash, turn a crank, and it opens and turn a crank and it closes. So that's the easiest one to operate. Unless 
those outswing casement windows swing out onto your patio into the traffic pattern by the barbecue, whatever it is. So again, uh, you know, just like the questions Jim was asking me on, you know, what kind of door is best? Well, there are pieces and having a knowledgeable somebody like Sandy with toilets going to a good supply house, you know, that all matters. Uh, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement KMOX. I'm going to take a short pause and come right back for more after this on University of KMOX. Oh, yeah, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX 314-436-7900. Stay tuned today, 540 Cardinal Baseball at Cincinnati. That's 540 right here on KMOX. Uh, Again, the pregame show starts at 445. One o'clock coming up top of the hour here. Your retirement professionals right here following this show. And then 2 p.m., the business of family business. But cards again tonight, pregame show, 445 right here on KMOX. Next up, let's talk with uh, John here. Hey, John, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help, sir? Scott, how you doing, Jay? Fantastic. Good. Well, I've got an old house built in 1901, and I have a third floor ceiling that's wet next to a chimney. And okay. it's, it's a chimney that's, that vents the furnace and the hot water heater. Okay. And I had the tuck pointing checked. They said it was okay. And then one of the tuck pointers said it's where the hot air meets the cold air and water is condensing, getting yeah. through the old mortar and leaking. Is that sound reasonable? Uh, yeah. Tell me what kind of furnace you have going up that chimney. It's the gas. Yeah. Is old it gas pla- furnace. Uh, old gas. Okay. Uh, does it have a stainless steel pipe down in the basement, or is it the old galvanized steel? Uh, galvanized. Okay. Uh, Well, here's kind of what happens, and it's going to get worse when you change your furnace, uh, because the more efficient your furnace is, the cooler the flue gas is. So here's what's happening. You have a masonry chimney, brick, stone, whatever it is, and it's three stories tall. So you have a concrete pipe or a stone piece of the mountain masonry pipe. And it's cold. So up at the top where it's sticking out the top of the house in the wintertime, that brick gets cold. You come down inside the house, it gets warmer and warmer. Down in the basement where your furnace puts hot gas, you know, all the flue gases, well, that stuff comes out. And if you have a galvanized pipe, you're probably 50 to 60, maybe even 70% uh, efficient, which means the higher the efficiency number and, you know, above 80 to 85%, you have to do stainless steel because that condensation, the temperature of that gas cools off when it goes up a metal insulated pipe. The problem is you have a, um, a big cold block chimney. So that hot gas is going up. It's 200 degrees. It gets up another 10. It's about 150 and it gets up about 120, you know, but, halfway up the way and all of a sudden all that steam that is flue gas is now turning and condensing back into liquids some of it's water and some of it is acid and that's why these new high efficiency furnaces have stainless steel flues above 80 percent and when you get to the 92 93 percent they go to the white plastic pvc because the acid is so prevalent it'll eat up anything else well, it's eating up your chimney. Uh, so you've got to get that chimney lined. You've got to put some sort of a liner from the basement all the way up to and through out that third floor 
um, or else this continues to happen. And on that insulated chimney that I'm talking about made out of metal, the inside of that will be stainless steel, even though you're looking at a, a galvanized steel on the outside, but it'll be uh, insulated, trying to keep that flue gas um, warm. Uh, most probably, if you can, when you change your furnace, your heating and cooling guy, if you've got room to go sideways, will really, because of that three-story big brick chimney, he's going to say, you know, or, or she's going to say, you need to go horizontal with PVC because I just can't keep your flue gas in vapor form long enough to get it out of three stories tall. You see what I mean? Yeah. Are there various types of liners, one better than the other? Um, no, not really. They're kind of generic. Again, this is, this is, um, um, the skill of the surgeon is more important than the quality of the scalpel. So, you know, insulated flu liners are pretty, you know, they're pretty generic, but the skill level of the installer, and it's an art, especially with 1901 house, three stories tall, you know, you're, you're trying to get 10 pounds into a five pound box. So, uh, but but before you do that, I would have somebody come check your furnace and talk about other options because I'd hate to see you put 5000 or $3,000 or something into a, a chimney liner, and then four years later, your, your furnace poops out, and now you're putting a plastic pipe out the sidewall for nothing. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. Okay. And we get so into it this. Might be, it in, might in be most, better to replace the furnace. Amen. Rather than... Yeah, rather than super spend on a good chimney system, you may be better off taking that money, stick it in your pocket, and and applying it to a new furnace that takes you from 60% efficiency up to 90%, and the pipes go out the side of the house without any consequence on all this condensation stuff. Good. Okay, thanks for the information, Scott. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, you've got a hot water heater that's part of that, too. So you're, when you replace this furnace, you're probably buying a more expensive water heater that goes out the side wall as well because you still have that venting through that uh, chimney. Okay, so you are do both. you got to do both. Yeah, well, either that or you're still going to have a hot water heater with the same problem, still chimney problems, con- condensing and leaking and all of that, so... Yeah, because you're putting 50% of the flue gas of combusting, burning natural gas or propane is moisture. So when you burn, when you heat your house or you heat your water, half of what you're putting up that chimney chimney is water vapor. So if it cools off, you've got a little rainstorm going on inside that terrarium chimney of yours. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) great. All right, thanks for the information. All right, good luck, my friend. Bye. Okay. Bye now. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Sometimes I can uh, yeah, uh, explain things in an unusual way, but, you know, that's kind of what I enjoy is how do I speak the right language that connects the concept. And a lot of this stuff is laws of physics that I'm just trying to dress up into a different language so you and I understand and share some kind of an information together. Uh, let's see what's happening with my buddy B. Hey, B, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you there? Hi, Scott. Thank you so much for taking my call. I'm having a kitchen floor problem. Okay. About 20 years ago, I had my kitchen remodeled, and they put in the one-piece vinyl. Yeah. And it looked great for about five years, and then it started looking dull, and they sent me something that used to clean it. I did that. And then a couple years later now, it's torn in two places, and it's starting to pull away from the wall. 
So my question is, I've been looking at different kinds of flooring, and I was thinking of buying the vinyl planks to put in here, and I was wondering if that's a good idea or not. Um, two questions. Uh, it's a good, most of the kitchen floors you're going to buy today, material-wise, quality-wise, are pretty good. You know, pay a few bucks more, you get better quality. It's going to last longer. It's not going to scuff. So the one-piece vinyl flooring that you had was a composite floor back when, and it had some manufacturing issues. It wasn't all it yes. was cracked and up it to was be. Mannington Gold, which was supposedly the, the best to buy, but yeah. evidently and it, it was. wasn't. Yeah. So believe it or not, with all the trouble you had with Mannington Gold, a lot of the other ones had even more trouble. So it was just kind of <laughs> like slice of time. <laughs> so you had fewer problems than many. Uh, anyway, um, if you do a plank type thing that lays over your old floor, uh, it'll work. It'll clip together. It works. The problem is you have to pull out your stove. You have to pull out your dishwasher and you have to have right. the thickness for that floor because it raises that applied up. Even your kitchen refrigerator sometimes comes up too high. So you have to think about will that fit? And that's why floor contractors like to come out to the house. That's what they're looking for. God bless them. Thank you for doing that. Because, yes. you know, the easiest floor to install doesn't mean the pro- the project is going to be successful. Yeah, we put well, in a I great floor, but the pa- patient uh, the died. Tile, you know, like the porcelain tile or anything. Uh, yeah. And I was looking at, you know, the different things they have out, and it looked like the planks would be... Um, fairly decent because I'm going to have to run it down the hallway too because the hallway is connected to the kitchen and it has the same stuff in it. Now think about the height of that floor. So if you raise that floor up quarter or three-eighths of an inch without removing your old floor, you have appliance issues. Now you have threshold trip hazards at the bathroom door you have at the stairs and all. So the height of that floor um, is, in my mind, is question number one. And then thickness, and then what type of floors, question number two. And then, okay, three, you know, does that mean we're pulling out, you know, the old floor or two layers? Uh, and if that's so, then you can have any kind of floor you want. Um, well, actually, they put a new subfloor down when they put down this one-piece yeah. floor. So Good. in the way it's coming up and tearing, it shouldn't be very hard to take that part, you know, out and then just put the others over the top. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to have a pro come in and change this floor for you? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do it myself, no. <laughs> yeah. The, Maybe they'll, 30 they'll, years ago I might have tried, but not now. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll take you through all that and ask about the heights so that you make a conscious decision at those yes. door thresholds for, you know, do I really, you know, because normally it's, it you know, you put, multiple kitchen floors over one 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 well now you can have a pretty good trip hazard coming out of the yeah. powder no, room the steps i don't want to do yada. that <laughs> yeah i was just wondering do you think that the vinyl planks would be all right oh here? yeah i mean oh, oh yeah yeah okay because L- they are waterproof yeah, all, all those luxury vinyl or vinyl, I mean, we've been using all these materials. The only thing I would counsel you to stay away from be, uh, in, in, in my later part of life, I don't really want ceramic. I don't want to cook and, and clean dishes on a concrete floor, which is ceramic tile, so I stay oh, away no, from Oh, no, no, that's, that's what I don't want. And also, yeah. I've had ceramic before, and you drop something hard <laughs> on it, and it cracks, so. yeah. The floor and the glass, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Amen. Okay, well, thank you so much for your help. I appreciate it. That 
helps me decide what I'm going to do then. Yeah, yeah, be open to everything, but keep asking your questions just because, you know, there's those unintended, well, I didn't know that, well, whoops. Yeah, correct, and that's what I will do. Roger, okay, way to go, B. Thank you so much, you have a good day. All righty, bye-bye. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX, welcome back together. We are live and lively. Thank you for two good hours of a great show here on the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Stay tuned here, 1 o'clock. Your retirement professionals comes up next. Top of the hour, news, weather, and sports. Following that, 2 p.m., the business of family business, the business of family business, which to me, you know, I love the, you know, the whole thing. I'm a family business, and the history of my family and the history of St. Louis, how we interact and kind of grow up together, uh, that's all fascinating to me. So I do enjoy very much uh, the business of family business. I learn about, you know, companies and the families behind that, and, you know, I, I, I like the buy local thing. I, I do. I, I, I like us, you know, so I tend to do business really with people in my area here. Maybe you too as well. Uh, so anyway, uh, we've had a good show. Started out with a patio French door, some rotted things, flashing matters. If you're having windows and doors installed, make sure you talk about and get flashing around every one of those. Those are the things that keeps the water out. Uh, as far as broken brick, uh, you can call the tuck pointer. Uh, that's a good thing. Bathroom installations. Uh, room addition, if you're looking to add a uh, bathroom, maybe a bedroom, think about the appraised value of the house. Uh, so if you take away a bedroom to put a bathroom in, does it really appreciably change the value of that house? Anyway, stay tuned. Uh, next up, your retirement professionals, 1 o'clock right here on KMOX.